0: Hello, this is episode 124 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha. This is a podcast on visual stress and how to make online presentation better. Also known as Irland Syndrome and Skeptopic Blindness. Don't ask me to spell that. I'm surprised I haven't already recorded an episode on this. Approximately 60% of people have literacy issues have this condition. It's very common. I'll go through the tips on how to make presentation better at the end. Getting my own rate classes at the age of 14 was life-changing. I thought it was 12 but I actually realised I was older, it was later in school. I never knew there was lines in the coffee book before. It's why my writing danced up another page. I particularly hated that writing exercise in primary school. I didn't understand that there was lines I was supposed to keep between. You try to squash all the words in at the end of the sentence because you've no idea what size they actually are, how big they are, what they look like. You've no space relations on the page. It's like trying to perform a Fourier transform in your head for every task you want to do, one where you have to filter in order to be able to focus on the task and be able to concentrate. It's like you have to strip the world out first the lights, the noise, the patterns, all the journals of frequency, the whiteness of the page. I can always tell those who struggle for a number of reasons. They have red sore eyes, particularly from rubbing them, and you tend to get a lot of styes in your eyes, which is happening to me again at the moment because my glasses have changed. There's a tiredness reading, there's a disinterest, there's a sense of needing a lot of breaks. There's a dramatic change in ability when the books change, when there's less pictures, when the font changes, when the writing shrinks and there's more lines. Suddenly, everything just looks too hard to do. You tend to find the darkest corner to read. You tend to be quite irritable after a lot of screen time, particularly if there's a lot of motion involved. You can only sh- concentrate for short periods of time before wanting to jump away from the task. I find the students in a session will always try to draw my attention away to something else. Um, they'll use tactics such as changing the colour marker that they want to write with in order to give them time out because they're tired of reading. I used to come home with headaches every day at the end of school. Quite often you complain that you can't read the board, and having been for an eye test, it's not really explained why you, why you can't do that. Because things tend to fade in and out of focus, and you find it exceptionally hard to read backlit boards. You don't take in what you read. You can read something, especially if you're reading it out loud and have absolutely no idea what you've read at the end of it. For older students, they tend to answer the wrong question on the exam paper. And for younger students, you don't tend to learn differences between big and small letters when you're starting to write. You don't learn punctuation. You don't even see it. You don't understand how letters are formed. You don't see your mistakes. It's always assumed that we haven't read them back, but you can't actually find them. You find it very hard to cut paper straight or to cut around the lines. You find it very difficult to colour in around the lines properly. You find it difficult to count tiles, bricks and other visual patterns. You tend to get lost. They still can't do that. You can't find your place on the page. We're not all just lazy in class. You actually have no idea where it is on the page. It's a real struggle. And once you've looked up from the page, it's very hard to find your way back as well. When you do find the right colour, there's a flow to reading. And I've done this even with adult clients who've had no idea. It's life-changing. Suddenly, when they're reading, the words join together and they read it. And when they get to the end of it, they know what they've read. They've taken it in at the same time. My my eyes have changed over the years. I've had three lots of glasses now with the colours are all on the sort of red-pink spectrum. Um, Everybody has their colour. The common colours are kind of red, yellow, green, blue, um, and some combination of those. My own has got red in it, brown and purple. And as time has gone on, the colour has changed. And at the moment, I know... I suppose there's probably been a 10 year gap between the changes taking place. But I don't recommend for parents generally to rush out and get glasses. And there's a number of reasons for that. You need to see that it actually makes a difference. And there's ways to do that strategy, first of all. You need time to find out what the right colour is for you, because it's quite overwhelming to actually to, to discover that. And... In order to be able to do that, you need to be able to read somewhat, and you need to be able to see some of the detail on the page, because it's like asking somebody to look at a picture and you don't know what's missing. It's really good for you to have coping strategies every day so that when you do go into environments where you can't always have your glasses, that you do have strategies to be able to cope and to deal with it. And the other one is that extroverts hate wearing glasses. The extrovert students never like wearing glasses in school and I've known parents to spend vast amounts of money getting them and for them to be lost quite quickly. Some introverts also don't want to be different and don't want any more trauma at that stage. And there is a bit of a balance that if you can get someone to a place where they feel good about themselves and feel good about their literacy, that they're more likely to want to wear their glasses as well. Very few people want to wear coloured glasses and don't care. I personally probably would have worn a whole space suit into school if it had made it better for me to get through. But if you want to study at university level, if you want to be a writer and you want to read difficult books, you need to get the glasses. And if you're going to spend a lot of time working on computers, looking at detailed work, you also need to do so, whether that's computational analysis or if it's, graphic design or whatever it is if you if you need to spend a lot of time looking at detail and you want to perform to a high level of literacy effectively with less stress it's a really good thing to do and so i recommend for people to do it when they're when they're older certainly or maybe about halfway through high school certainly at that stage but in the meantime there's a number of coping strategies to do and it's very important that we realize that there's a reason why you're finding it difficult to read, why you're finding it difficult to learn how to write, why you're not picking up on punctuation and other patterns. That there's things that you're missing because of the noise. And that's a big part of the initial work I do with people, is showing them what they haven't been able to see. So there's a number of everyday tricks I use. The first one is using a color transparency over the page. It's also really good to be able to block out all the rest of the text that you're not trying to read so you're not becoming overwhelmed by it. That's a game-changer for exams, particularly for older students. It's the same with your computer screen. You shouldn't have a million windows open to try and focus on what you want to look at. It's a really good idea to use a black background with either white or yellow text. It's partly why all my websites are black. It's a really good idea to use two columns of writing rather than one. And the reason for that is because the sentences are shorter. And so it means that when you get to the end of the sentence, there's less distance where you have to travel back to go on to the right line. It's also really good when you're using online Kindle devices, um, either iBooks or Kindle on the iPad. It's a really good idea to adjust the the line spacing, the distance between the lines, because that also makes it much easier to read. And it's a really good idea to open a book and look at it and see if you can read it because of the layout for those reasons. Sometimes the larger print books that they produce between the hardback version and the paperback version are actually easier to read for that reason because the format's different. And some publishers, the font will always be horrible. And as a result, I will either choose to listen to those books on audio or I will read them on a device for that reason. It's a really good idea to use the Open Dyslexic Font. And you can use that not only just in iBooks and Kindle. Kindle has the Open Dyslexic Font and iBooks uses San Francisco, which is a similar idea of an easier font to use. But the Open Dyslexic Font is available for both PC and Mac for Word and for Pages documents. It's a really good idea to use the dark mode in all apps. It's a good idea to reduce the white point. I know you can do that on a microphone. And it's a very good idea to change the nighttime settings and you can actually do this so that it's scheduled to come on at the hours when the light changes. And for me, my color tone is set to a sort of a yellow-ready color. But do what suits you. There's a whole spectrum of colors there for you to choose from. It's a really good idea to use colored paper, especially if you're trying to read notes for a presentation. Use a black background on PowerPoint and keynote presentations, especially for all those on- online classes that you're creating at the moment. And again, you can download the Open Dyslexic font for it, and you can pick either a white or yellow uh, font, which is very easy to read. So colors that are very easy to read in black are yellow, orange, and light green. Use a font when you're doing your own work that's easy for you to read. I use the Open Dyslexic font for all of my writing because I can find my mistakes in it better than I can for other fonts. And then I change it back because some people don't like reading that font as much. Create a favourite template that suits you for your work. Again, in pages that's very easy to do. You can create a black background template which you can save and you can open up each time with the various settings saved in it that you want to use. But in Word, you can also um, create a background as well. Don't use black pens, especially on a whiteboard. Um, I already said that backlit boards are much harder to read and the actual Kindle device that's backlit is not as easy to read um, and doesn't have as many settings as using the Kindle app, for instance, on an iPad. It's a completely different experience. For me, in school, the projector, and in college, the projector was particularly hell because it was a huge glare off it. Um, but things have advanced a lot now to using smart boards and connecting in technology straight into those. So again, use a dark mode if you can and use a darker background. If you are writing on a board or even on a page for yourself, blue or purple ink are the easiest to read. Those are the most common whiteboard markers that we used. And it's a really good idea to break up the text as well into different colours, to highlight words, um, to change the colours so you don't have a really dense area of text all in one colour because that makes things stand out and it makes it easier to move from point to point and so on. And it's a really bad idea if you have your own notes and you're reading back over them and that they're all in one colour as well. I've done a whole podcast before on the different types of paper to use, whether you use line or plain or squared. Um, I always use plain paper for writing because it's less distracting and less worrying about keeping on the lines. I use squared paper for plotting out detailed ideas and creating flowcharts and so on and mapping out ideas. I'm not a big fan of lined paper at all. I went through a lot of tips, um, particularly in the podcast I did on writing a book with dyslexia, which is uh, incorporates a lot of this, um, these ideas and the reasons why I do these all the time. It's a really good idea to use your own desk lamp with the low watt bulb, bulb and not a fluorescent light or an LED light because there's a much harsher glare off it. When I worked in an office um, in college, I brought my own my own desk lamp in. It's a really good idea to use ambient lighting in the evenings to give your eyes a break and to use less screen time at nighttime. And again, that's the reason for having the nighttime setting as well for the glare to reduce the glare on the technology that you are using. We get into a bad habit in school of doing things the way that suits other people or what's expected of us, because nobody kind of presents that there's a different way to do things. And the way that we present information to ourselves makes a big difference as to how we take it in and it's so common for me to work with adults who are who are so used to conforming themselves for 14 years in school that they've never actually set up their work environment or their computer or their iphone or anything else to work in a way that suits them so i encourage you if you're adults listening to this to do this because it shows the example to the children that it's okay to work your way and it's okay to play around with all the settings and it's okay to use the font that suits you and so on you don't have to follow what's happening in school and it's okay to use a different coffee book and to have a few colored sheets and to use different colored pens for everybody else and to have a colored sheet that you throw over your book and to have colored rulers to block out parts of the text and so on so it's about developing those strategies and in a way, that builds up the skill set for you, but it also gives you a greater awareness of where your limitations are and what is difficult for you. And I think in a way, it's helpful to have that training. And in a, I gained a lot by not having my glasses at a time when I didn't realize that I needed them. And I obviously gained a lot by having them afterwards. And it allowed me to work to a much higher level, but also to understand the limitations of why I needed to do that, which then meant that I thought about the coping strategies that I needed in other situations. So for me, it's always a balance between those two things. But there is an aspect that we do have to realise why younger students are not getting things like handwriting properly, or understanding how the letters are formed, or why their writing always looks messy, or why they don't understand punctuation and so on. So it's important to go back and fill the gaps, but it's also important to realise that those gaps are there for a reason and that it's not just laziness. So I hope that helps.